Hello, welcome to the post-production podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Rachel. And this is the post-production podcast where we talk about our experiences working in media production. Rachel and I are both AV technicians and we also dabble in a bunch of other media-related stuff, things, stuff and things. Rachel does like music and camera stuff. I do camera stuff. So we're just here to talk about some of the <laughs> the, the cool things we've we've done. Rachel, you had a, a show last night. How did that go? Uh, it went really well. Um, it was my first show in a while where I was part of the headliner. So that's kind of sick. A lot of the music I play around here, I play as part of a band or kind of like the backup to the act, if you will, um, which is super fun. It makes for like really enjoyable work most of the time because like the pressure is off me and I get to just kind of like vibe show up and create cool music. And um, a lot of the times for the smaller shows, I do all of the audio engineering as well, which makes for kind of a dual experience for me and sometimes some added stress, but most of the time just a lot of fun. Um, But last night was kind of my first dive into being the artist for the night and it was a lot of fun yeah we had like a great crowd um you know like fun brewery on a friday night everyone had a great time we sang some bangers and uh it all went well and oh and i thought i forgot my mic clip when i showed up so it was about to be an av disaster and then i remembered it was in my laptop bag which is where everyone keeps their mic clips obviously of course yeah, what what kinds of what what's your genre? Um, my genre right now is um music people know mixed in with like <laughs> music I actually like. Ah, okay. It's it's songs, you know, Taylor Swift top yeah. twenty hits from the radio. So right now we're singing like a lot of Dua Lipa, a lot of Harry Styles right now for sure. Um, I haven't mixed in any Taylor Swift yet because. People are either like really supportive of her success or they get like visibly angry at you that you would like dare to sing an artist that they don't like. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is why for the next show, I will be very purposely mixing in some Taylor Swift <laughs> just to make everyone mad. Yeah, bad blood. Yeah. So, but also like we, we just mix in like stuff people know. So, you know, like Mr. Brightside or Don't Stop Believing or oh, of course. Uh, Fleetwood Mac songs, which. They're all like good songs. There's a reason they're hits and people like to sing them, which means they're more engaged with what you're playing. But I also mixed in like some folk songs, um, like a John Bellion cover. Um, I mixed in some oldies I like. So we played the Bee Gees and all that fun stuff. Which song from the Bee Gees? Well, you can tell. Oh, nice. Okay. Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, how does that translate to what did you have? Keys and a guitar? Keys and a guitar. Yeah. Honestly, like my ultimate goal is to kind of have like two full set lists I can play, like that I could go somewhere and I could pull out entirely like pop and rock from the 21st century. You know what I mean? So like 2000s bops, uh, pop from the 2010s, etc. But I also totally want to do a full set list at some point that's just like 60s and 70s music. That would be fun. Yeah, just, it's funky. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like 60s music usually. Yeah, I'd love to like ideally have kind of a rotating act where like I can play either or I can mix and match and like 
people will have a blast either way. So would, would you do it as a, a solo person or, or would you do it with your uh, friend that you did it with yesterday? I definitely like playing as a duo. Um, so last night I played with Merrick Chrisman for the first time and he's a, a local singer songwriter who writes honestly like incredible stuff to be honest. We did one of his originals last night, which is called Baton Rouge. Um, I think that's the clip I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, like, I don't know this at all, but they sound good. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So he's, he's one of those storytellers where he, he tells a story with like such intense imagery in it that you feel like by the end of the song, you have experienced it with all five of your senses. Like Taylor Swift. Yeah. No, very similar to Taylor (laughs) Swift actually. But with a lot more, like, his chords have a lot of rock and blues influence in them. Okay. Like, I don't know if that was a conscious choice for him or, like, right. just kind of the way he writes. But, yeah, so I I really enjoyed playing with him as a duo. I don't think I'd play solo just because I feel like it's more fun with friends. Like, when you're a solo act, all of the pressure is on you. You know what I mean? Right. You are yeah. the crew. You are the sound engineer. You are the production manager. And you're the instrument and voice, which, you know, it's one of those things where objectively I can look at myself and say, yeah, my skill set accommodates all of those things, but it's a less creative and enjoyable experience for me if I have to multitask at that level. Yeah, I I would love to see you play live at some point. Well, I have seen you play live, but in like a a church setting. (laughs) I don't know if I would count that. Fair. Yeah, at some point when I'm rich and famous and, you know, selling out stadium tours, I'll uh, I'll give you backstage passes. Or I'll, I'll MC your show. That's what I'll do. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rachel Ball, the unstoppable force. I do my best. The unstoppable force who has Hermione Granger hair today. I thought you didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, it was just the first detail I reached for, okay? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, Kiri, what have you been up to production-wise? Um, I think last time we talked, we had just, or I was preparing for a, um, a, a kind of a rough banquet. It hadn't happened yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was going to be a band, but turns out it was just a guy uh, with a computer. Yeah. So, continuation of that story. <laughs> turns out it was a guy and a computer and like seven instruments. So (laughs) did he tell you in advance or did he just show up with all that stuff? He showed up. um, Oh, wow. And uh, our team, you know, got him all set up and uh, he he was a nice guy. Just we, we were not super prepared when he got there, but we got him set up. And uh, the theme of the banquet was supposed to be like tropical, but his music was a little more like lo-fi vibey. So my boss was like, I don't know if this fits, but I mean, like, he was a good musician. Interesting. Like he was, he played during the dinner and during the reception after. Right. Cause we were talking about how um, they, they wanted the musician to play twice and just completely move locations between performances. So he had uh, a setup with, keys and a couple of guitars outside where the reception was and then inside for the dinner he just had his uh like an electric guitar and his laptop and he sat kind of upstage and just strummed his guitar for like 45 minutes (laughs) yeah it was it was kind of weird I think 
I think the uh, the client didn't communicate very well with him either because there oh, was some that's the word yeah some confusion about when he was supposed to be up but yeah I helped with the lights and um yeah it was not what I would do but <laughs> the lady in charge liked it so that's what we did because th- this team has their own lighting designer and he had just been hired full time so he still had you know life in his being <laughs> they hadn't sucked it out of him yet but yeah we uh put some oh gosh i think it was like 25 degree lenses um on some lights in the catwalk like on either end of one of the of the catwalk and uh put some cool like little palm tree gobos like palm leaf gobos in oh, each fun. of those and shine them on the walls yeah it was it was cut off a little bit at the top because of the the sound paneling and the ceiling so it looked a little weird but the lady in charge liked it and that's what mattered true that because <laughs> we had this like deep green and uh kind of like light salmony color going like that was the theme yeah the, the colors on their invitation of course but the psych like the lighting designer was messing with the site colors and the lady in charge was like, Oh, I liked that. Stop there. And it was like this dark magenta type color Ooh. that didn't go with anything else. Yeah. That is not my favorite color for a psych. I mean, it looked kind of cool. It just didn't go with anything. Right. I thought it was a nice color. And the lighting designer was like, okay, I mean, this is what, this is what we got. But tech wise, it actually went pretty smoothly oh that's nice yeah all things considered and it was nice to actually work with their crew that's how you know you have a capable team on both sides yeah like the fact that you guys had a good enough team that you could pull it off despite like miscommunication and kind of like just having to roll with the punches and then the fact that like they have some new staff like including the lighting designer who like are still willing to be alive but yeah apparently like right before doors uh one of the cooks in the kitchen uh so to speak asked my boss to set up some lights by the doors like just like some up lights and doors were just opening so my boss was like no (laughs) we don't have time for this but the, the weird thing was during the reception it was supposed to go from eight to ten uh and of course they didn't get out until 8.30, so they didn't start the reception until 8.30. And uh, the musician played, like, we were expecting him to play until 10 o'clock. And so we were like, okay, it's going to be a late night. We're just going to vibe while he while he plays. And he finished up at, like, 9.30 oh. instead. Yeah, and he was like, I, they let out late, so I played a little bit longer uh, because I was supposed, they originally told me to play until 9.15, so what were they planning to do for the remaining 45 minutes? Exactly. Yeah, we were like, what? And he was like, yeah, I don't know. I just did, did, I played a little bit longer. He's like, I just work here. Because that didn't make sense to me either. Sort of. Yeah. Freelance. Just doing my job. For contract. So, yeah, all things considered, it wasn't too bad. It was just a long day. Let's see. Dance recitals. We did a couple of those. Yeah. Those are always fun. So there were two, two weekends in a row. So yeah, we had another dance recital and they gave us everything that we needed, like all of the the songs on a flash drive, like all in the same format. And it was great. And we had a rehearsal on Friday and the show on Saturday. 
And Friday night at like 11.30 p.m., we get an email that's like, here's a bunch of other stuff that I actually want, and here's a new version of one of the songs. And so I didn't see that email until between shows the next day because there were two shows and the first one was in the morning is at like 10 30 and I was like setting up all morning before the show I didn't get a chance to look at my email between 11 30 p.m and 10 30 a.m and so for the second show we got like it, it was stuff like can have an extra headset on stage uh and pipe and drape in the corner so that uh the the, the dance teachers for the little bitty classes can hide and like you know do, go through the motions so the kids can watch them and follow along and we got the pipe and drape set up it was like little things but you know it's it's still sometimes a little bit frustrating to get last minute requests yeah well and i think too like something we've talked about before on this podcast but that we regularly run into and will for the rest of time is that like i think people just don't understand what we do or how any of this stuff works and so they'll they'll ask for something that in their head is like not a big deal because a lot of times they don't understand the context of like what our production day and schedule already looks like and the enormity of the request. Yeah. Like I had like a couple weeks ago, like we had like 11 people playing instruments. 11? And a choir. Ugh. And we were literally like we were maxed out on wireless mics. We were maxed out on in-ears we were maxed out on like just everything you know what I mean it was so stressful that like we had three people working on audio during rehearsal which is very abnormal yeah like three people just to support the function of front of house during rehearsal like at one point on Sunday someone just asked me kind of offhand like if we could put another mic on like such and such small detail thing that didn't really need a mic to begin with. Exactly, yeah. And like for them, they were like, oh, just like, can we have a mic? And for me, like, it was like my breaking point. I was like, we are already managing like 47 channels and we we have three runs through this thing and we don't have any more mine, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't say any of that. It was all in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in my head, I'm like, this is the end of the world. <laughs> and in reality, usually just like I find that like if the client is reasonable or if the, the talent is reasonable, they'll just come back to you. And if you give them the context explanation of like, hey, like I would love to do that for you. But, you know, in the future, I need to know a little bit earlier because exactly, actually yeah. I've been busy all day and we don't have the equipment to accommodate that. But I find that like a lot of, not a lot of, I hate making sweeping generalizations. <laughs> I have observed some individuals in this industry to where they are tired of being asked for things last minute or that are really hard to do and they are at their breaking point. And so when a client comes to them and says, hey, I know the show starts in two seconds, but can I have three more mics? They just like will snap. They'll be like, no, you know what I mean? And there's like, no sympathy, no context, and like no desire to educate people outside of the industry. Yeah, I think it depends on the request, though. Like if it's like grabbing a mic, that's fairly quick and easy. But like, like I was talking about that banquet earlier that somebody asked for entire fixtures to be set up by the yeah. doors like right as the event was starting it's like we don't have time for that yeah so like that's something that we legit, like if we were warned ahead of time 
then we could do that. But we can't do that right now. <laughs> well, and even with like whether it's whether it's light fixtures or whether it's microphones, for them they're like, "Oh, I just grabbed the microphone or you just put the light fixture there." Right. But what they don't realize like the thing that no one understands usually is routing. You know, if I give someone a microphone, I have to have created a channel strip, process the audio in a way that won't cause screeching feedback and correctly patched the mic to the correct input on the stage box, right? Yeah, and that takes time. Same as like with lighting, like you have to put the fixture in the correct position, you have to address it, you have to tell your console to talk to the correct address, you know what I mean? And this is like stuff that, like we can't expect our clients or our talent to understand that fully because there's a reason we're the professionals and they have hired us, but I think like, we have to do sort of empathetic and contextual communication with them. But it also is reasonable for us to say no. The thing that always rubs me wrong is like the way that people say no. Yeah. I'm all about saying no. I say no all the time. No, you don't. But I, I believe in no with an explanation. Well, I, I don't say no a lot in my like ability to uh, not be busy all the time. I do say no a lot in terms of like, people asking for specific kinds of tech. Yeah. If, if someone shows up on, you know, Sunday morning and is like, hey, we've decided to add a trumpet and a saxophone. We need them mic'd and processed and service starts in five minutes. I'm going to say no. You know what I mean? Yeah. That Has that happened? No. I'm giving a facetious example. Yeah. That just sounds like something that would happen to you. Yeah. I mean, like similar situations have happened and like will continue to happen because like that, that's kind of how our industry works. Like we're sort of yeah. the support and the backbone for every event and its mother, whether it's dance recitals or worship services or live music or corporate banquets. Like we just get crazy requests because that's our job. It's all part of the job. And that's why we have a podcast, kids. True that. Or I, I should stop calling you know, our audience kids. In the, friends, moment, friends. in the moment, it is super stressful, but it makes for great entertainment. Yeah, great content. post-production later on. Yeah. Uh, there's a nonprofit in my area that, uh, like, their whole mission is to educate musicians on how to communicate with tech staff. There's an entire nonprofit for that. It's not their whole mission, but it's also like how to, you know, get your LCC, how to, uh, you know, record stuff, how to find a good studio, how to book a studio, how to talk to the technicians, how to understand what to request, how to write a tech writer, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So basically how to actually be a professional musician Yeah. and how to book shows and stuff like that. And part of that is understanding the AV technology and understanding what you will need. Yeah. That's basically their whole thing is uh, teaching musicians how to how be... How to interface, yeah. How to survive in the pre professional world, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and so that's So that's really cool. Like, I cannot emphasize to you guys as the listeners how much it will benefit you to learn a little bit. At least a little bit, yeah. Even the bare minimum of, like... Learn some keywords that go along with what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? Like if you're an actor, learn a little bit about how a filming crew works on set, like what each person does and why they're important. And, you know, like how you as the talent might interact 
with those people or around those people. Or if you are like a musician, I, I have met and I have played with so many musicians who do not understand anything about sound. Like to the point where I will hand them a cable and a DI box and say, go set this up. And they, they like don't even know where to start. Right. And that, like, that's the thing that, that this organization does. My crew has helped them teach like some stage management stuff, like stage directions, the difference between different types of cables and what they do, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's very important. Because the thing is like, you don't. You don't have to be an expert no. in the field of media production or live production or sound engineering or whatever the heck. But like it will help you do your thing better if you understand a little bit of like the things that will support you in doing that thing. Like if you're a musician, yeah, you don't have to have the skills to be a studio engineer or a live sound technician in any way, shape, or form. But if you understand how to set up your cables and maybe a couple of troubleshooting things for when no one's getting signal out of your guitar, that's going to go a long way in like easing up pre-production and load-in and also like easing up your relationships with technicians you're working alongside. Your sound engineer and your production crew are going to love collaborating with you if you show that you have like made a little bit of the effort to learn their language. Yeah. Because I think too, a lot of people in the production world, like we as technicians in sort of any production related field, we have to make it our business to learn the language of the client, right? Yeah. Like if, if a client comes in and wants to do studio work on a short film, we have to understand all of the language they throw at us so that we can like adequately technically support them. Or like I have to be able to read and fully analyze a writer so that I can fully provide like every need of the musician coming into my venue and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's that thing of like, if we as technicians make it our business to learn some language and educate ourselves a little on the client, it always, I find, like, makes me feel a lot more connected to the work I'm doing. If that client shows up and they clearly know a little bit, they've made it their business. Yeah, it makes our job easier. Yeah. And we'll be able to put on a, a good show for you. Yeah. If we can do that. Yeah, that was a soapbox I did not expect to land on, but I think it's an important one. It's something that needs to be said. Yes. Because <laughs> the thing too is- You're like, good with the soapboxes. We at post-production like are, you know, this is this is a small creator level podcast, right? So like we do sort of everything for ourselves. And the thing is, if you're doing any type of production or if you're doing content creation or internet communication or music or like whatever your medium is- you're going to have to start small normally, unless you're a Nepo baby and you have like a million dollars to throw at whatever it is you want to do, which if you have that, like, great, sure, go for it. But the reality is the vast majority of people are going to start small and you're going to have to do all your own stuff. Like if you're a musician, like you're going to have to learn to run your own cables and you're going to have to learn to speak the language of a studio engineer so you can put out your first demo. Or if you're a content creator, like you got to learn video editing. Yeah, it's tricky and it's hard to learn a new thing. But like at some point you'll have to put in work adjacent to production. 
if you want to create in the 21st century. You know what I mean? And the information is all out there. It is. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of AV technicians don't um, have a, a full college education. So, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, I mean, Rachel and I do because how else were we going to get a job? But right. <laughs> so we're kind of the exception, especially for I find like videography and then like live music. It kind of doesn't matter if you come in with a degree or not. It matters if you come in with experience. Right. So a yeah. lot of people start as stagehands, like doing all the grunt work, and then they work their way up. Or in videography, people start like second shooting weddings, just being like the extra camera, mm -hmm. and then they work their way up. So yeah, it very much is that thing of like, obviously, we're, we're pro-education, but there are a lot of ways to educate yourself. We had a professor both in college who always talked about like the great power of Google, destigmatizing Google, because I don't know about you, Kiri, but I Google stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. For my full time. time job in production. I never saw Google as like a stig stigmatized thing. Well, I but think I guess people, some people like, have too much pride. People <laughs> expect you to just magically know everything. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, if you knew anything, you wouldn't need to Google. But like, I don't know, sometimes you need to Google the user manual for a light fixture that you're taking apart. Yeah. Because like, you should be informed before you take apart a light fixture. Yeah, well, and we run into this thing all the time at my workplace because we have some public studios and you can't tell you how many times clients will just come up to the desk and be like, I don't know how to do this thing. Can you help? And the first thing that employees are trained to do is just Google it. And then like nine times out of 10, the client says, oh, I could have done that. Like, yeah, you could have. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, don't, yeah, Google it. Always Google it. Yeah. The other thing too I've found is like the power of Facebook groups is like a little scary. And I know like that sounds dumb, but hear me out. Facebook is like simultaneously the meanest place ever and like the most useful marketplace of information that I have found in my professional life. Because hmm. you can join all of these silly little Facebook groups within your niche, whether it's just like a hobby you're interested in. That is the only reason I would ever get a Facebook profile. <laughs> yeah. Or like for me, I'm in a lot of um, AVL groups, audio, video, lighting, like because I, I use it directly to like help me grow in my ability to troubleshoot church tech. And it helps too because I can jump into those groups I can go jump into the Allen and Heath audio manufacturing group and I can say, hey, everyone, I have this Allen and Heath console and it is spitting out this error code. Has anyone else had this issue? And yeah, I'll have a couple of jerks in the comments who are like, have you tried not being a girl? But like more often than not, the response is like, oh, yeah, I had this issue and this is how I fixed it. Good luck. Let me know if you have more questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. We live in the era of information being extremely accessible. Go learn your thing. Go learn the things adjacent to your thing because it's all out there. And when you have trouble, you know, sort of digesting the information you find on Google, go ask a question on Facebook in like a respectful and growth minded way. And I think people will always be willing to jump in and help. Yeah. I tend to avoid Facebook and Reddit for, you oh, know. Oh, Reddit is so much meaner. Yeah, for obvious reasons. But uh, 
I've I've considered getting a a Facebook profile just to join all the groups and get better connections and the groups are amazing both for networking and just for like help with stuff because the thing is I I have gained a lot of confidence from being in these groups because you know on Reddit if you ask a question people will just tear into you mm-hmm. like I <laughs> I asked a pretty innocent question on Reddit in a forum a couple months ago about it was so like to this day I look back at it and I'm just like why are people like that like I asked some people in like a manufacturer specific forum I was like oh I want to access my amps using the computer software but I have a Mac is there any way like to access the software because it's Windows only and instead of people being like oh yeah like here's how you can do that people just destroyed me. Like everyone was like, you're in the production industry and you use a Mac. Do you even know anything? Like blah, 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 blah. I got like 20 super mean comments and I ended up literally taking the post down without anyone helping me. That's- Which is crazy. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like on Facebook, like people will ask a question in a Facebook group and I'll be like, wait, I know the answer to that. I've had that issue before. And I can jump in and be like, hey, here's what I did to fix that problem with ProPresenter 7. Good luck. Let me know if you have questions. And it sort of boosts my confidence because I I remind myself, wait, like, I do have answers sometimes. I do have things I know. And so then I feel even better about then when I need to turn to that same group to ask a question the next week. I think, like, there often is this lone wolf mindset in production of, like, You have to be the expert on everything and you can't show any sign of weakness. And I also think like, especially as like women in production, we are like significantly the minority on set or at load in or whenever. Oh, yeah. And so it it feels a lot harder sometimes to go and ask a dude for help, knowing that they potentially may think of you as inferior already. But I have been, like, really encouraged by, like, these silly little Facebook groups of all things. Because I'm like, wait a minute, like, other people have questions too. And, like, it is good to be asking the questions because it means you're growing and it means you're trying. Yeah. Instead of just standing around pretending you know everything. Yeah, and that's that's where the boys of the industry get a little, um... Overconfident. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of really, really good people in this industry, like both women and men. Yeah, I was going to say. But I'm, yeah, it, it also, there are a lot of jerks in this industry. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been, I've been lucky to have worked with a lot of very respectful men on my own crews. It's when we bring in outside people that there are some, I, I think I told you this story, but I haven't told it on the podcast. So there are some biases out there, some very blatant biases one time we had an outside crew uh, come in to use our venue and they had a hazer and uh, my boss was off doing something else. And I uh, walked up to the technical director and I said, hey, do you need DMX cables for your hazer? And he was like, um, I haven't seen uh, my boss around, uh, so I'll, I'll just wait in that until I ask him. And I said, uh, hey, I'm the lighting designer. <laughs> I can get you those DMX cables if you need them. And he said, uh, I, I don't even remember what he said, but he basically just ignored me again. Uh, so I just went and grabbed the DMX cables on my own, set them down. And then 
like 20 minutes later, he was like, oh, we need DMX cables. He didn't bring any. I was like, I'm the lighting designer. I got those out for you. They're right there. And he was like, oh, well, nice to meet you, lighting designer. I'm the technical director. And then he was super nice and respectful the whole rest of the the time that they were there. But it was that initial reaction. It like that was the only the only thing that was sexist. Like after that, he, you know, treated me as an equal with respect, all of that. But the fact that I I felt like I had to earn it, mm-hmm. that was and there was obviously he wasn't expecting me a girl to be and to be fair I was wearing like a button up collared shirt and I wasn't dressed like an AV technician but that's also part of the bias there I was gonna say that shouldn't matter I, I legitimately I said I'm the lighting designer and he didn't hear that or I something I don't know yeah like you should have been able to show up in a frilly pink dress and heels for all it mattered yeah and what should matter is you say hey I am the technician. Yeah. I was clearly helping set up and load in and everything. And that I, I don't know. I, yeah. So that's that's why we have this podcast. <laughs> Part of why we have this podcast. For real. This episode is the why we have this podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> to educate and to shut down some biases. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the, the two missions of this podcast. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like we... We bring up a lot, like in every facet of our content on this podcast, we bring up a lot like, hey, there's sexism in the industry and we're we're not bringing it up because we're beating a dead horse. We're bringing it up because it's active and like we experience it regularly. Yeah. I had a phone call with someone just last week, like I I was speaking with a, a third party supplier for some materials we need for a new venue and On the phone, he seemed like visibly, not visibly because it was on the phone. He was audibly surprised (laughs) that I was sort of the person coordinating the potential purchase and the inquiry because I, I, you know, I was asking very specific questions about things like installation and all that. And he was kind of joking around with me at one point and he mentioned he was like, oh, yeah, and you know, like at our front of house board, we use this thing called Dante. I don't know if you've heard of it. Ooh. And I was like, actually, yeah, I've worked with Dante before and I have an active Dante order pending right now. Ha ha. You know what I mean? And I, I didn't say it in a way that was like a, a, a slap back in any way. It's like, shut up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't say anything like that, but I made it pretty clear. I was like, hey, like. I know what you're talking about um, because... Because I'm a professional, yeah. Yeah, and I'll be the first person to say I don't know and everything. I am, you know, still relatively young in my career, but at the same time, like, don't assume I know nothing. Right. Just because I am young and female and different. And that's something I've run into before, yeah. You know, and I, I don't know about you, Kiri, but, like, people observe out loud in front of me all the time the oddity of my existence. Hmm. Like people will be like, I've never worked with a woman in audio before. Or they'll be like, oh, like, have you ever met another female audio engineer? And things like that. Yeah. You'll find a lot more women in like the more visual stuff. Yeah. Like lighting and video. Not so much audio. It's just weird because I feel like um, a zoo animal a little bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, wow, see this 
strange and unusual creature in this habitat. You know what I mean? Well, because I think some of those boys aren't used to being around a, a girl who knows the same things as them. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Especially if you're the one bossing them around, too. Right. It's probably a thing I will continue to process on this podcast because it's not something that went away yesterday or anything. I, I, yeah. Well, it's probably something you're going to experience for the rest of your career, too. Yeah. No matter yeah. how young you are. But it also is encouraging to see, like, more and more women doing hard things and sort of, like, shattering glass ceilings, so to speak. Mm -hmm. The fact that, like, we are two kind of still relatively freshly graduated women and, like, we both have full-time jobs in the media production industry and working live events and like doing all this stuff is pretty cool and we still have like all this room to grow and all this stuff to learn and all these places we might go and we like get to sit here and talk about it with listeners every week too yeah that slaps super slaps yeah uh, all the other like negative experiences with men on the job i can think of were just men being creeps not necessarily devaluing my career. Well, I guess that's part of it. True. Yeah. Yeah. There was one time. Did I tell you about this? This one time um, we were live streaming a yoga class. Oh, dear. You know, when lockdowns were a thing, but there were still some in-person attendees and our live stream rack was in the storage closet. Uh, and so I was sitting in there with all the things and uh, we hadn't started yet. And one of the uh, yogurts walks in. Yogurts. <laughs> like I had the door propped open so I could talk to the instructor, it, like in case I needed to talk to the instructor. And one of the yogurts walks in. He looks like a Regis Philbin from Wish.com, right? <laughs> he sees me and he's like, can I take my pants off in here? Uh, and I, yeah, before I, I was like, before I could react, he said, don't worry, I'm wearing more pants under my pants. And I was like, um, no, well, he didn't say, can I? He said, do you mind? Which I hate because if I say, yes, I do mind, he hears, yes, okay, I'll just do it. And, and if I say no, that it, he hears, oh, I don't mind. Like, I, that's, that's, that's where terrible. You say, I don't like that. Do not take your pants off, please. <laughs> right. Like, I started to say, um, you can't do that in here. We have bathrooms over there. But he, he had already started taking his, his <gasps> pants off. And thank God he was wearing more pants under his pants. And then he he walked out. And like I I like the first thing the next morning, because this was in the evening, I, I uh, put in a ticket with marketing. Like, can we please have some employees only signs on that closet? Because <laughs> yikes. Oh, my gosh. But what what irks me is that he was more comfortable doing that in front of just me than out in the room with everybody else. Ew. So as the, and there was another time, um, like if I tell every story of a time a man was creepy with me, you would tell me to never leave the house. But <laughs> I, was, I think, yeah, uh, like we'd be here all night. <laughs> right. Uh, there was another time we were doing a uh, classical jazz mashup concert. Oh my gosh. Gonna, yeah, it was going to be cool. So there was, uh, there's a local jazz band and a local like classical chamber music group mm -hmm. and so they did this concert together and the jazz director walked up to me like he saw that I am an AV technician I work for the venue you know he was he he saw that no wait actually I don't think he saw me as an AV technician I think he just saw that I work for the venue because he asked for 
music stands. He's like, can we have like three or four more music stands? I was like, okay. And so I went all the way backstage into our storage closet and he had followed me in there, like into the storage room and the clients are not allowed in there. And the way we have things set up, there are like shelves along the walls. It's kind of a big room and then stuff kind of in the middle of the room. Where, so there was like this horseshoe walkway uh, and the door was like in one of the corners. Yeah. So the, the music stands were in one of the corners and the guy, it was like a big guy. He stood between me and the door. He didn't say anything. He was, and he kept his distance, but he was just standing there like, you know, <laughs> and I grabbed, yeah. I grabbed the music stands and I was like, okay, can I be like, Hey, I like, he wasn't moving. Like I had started to move and he just stood there. So I was like, if I can't get out, I'm going to need to like calculate a, a flight path. I'm going to need to That's climb really- over some stuff and like get right. Like it, it was. You're like, am I going to have to brain this guy with a music stand? Well, it was, it was one of, well, those were some hefty music stands though. It was like the ones that like the actual part where you put the the papers and stuff, it like locks into the stand. It was like one of those. Yeah. So those, those, you could, you could really whack somebody with those. So I was like, I've got some of these, like um, if something happens, but thankfully one of my male coworkers walked in when I saw him, I immediately said, Hey, like, like see me here. And he was like, again, like the, the men I actually work with are great. And he was like, Oh, uh, Hey, like he saw that other guy. All he said was, Hey, and the guy just turned around and left. He was like, Oh, sorry. And walked out Ooh. like as soon as he saw another. Um, yeah. Cause I was like, Ugh. and I said, um, like I went up to my coworker. I was like, that guy gave me the creeps, and he was like, okay, I'll I'll deal with him for the rest of the evening. So, I I stayed like up in the control booth pretty much the rest of the time because I could. So yeah, it's it's just you know, these things happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of being a woman. Sadly, it's a good thing we uh, like what we do. You know, having backup plans if things really go south and. You know, being respectful if they're just being rude, you know. Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, we get to press cool buttons. Yeah. And worst comes to worst, I give someone a concussion with a music stand. Heck yeah. Which honestly might be pretty cathartic, not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. Also, this podcast is not admissible in court, or at least it better not be. So. I don't, yeah, I don't condone violence unless absolutely necessary. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully I haven't needed to do violence on the job, so well, that's good. we're good. <laughs> let's let's keep it that way. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, on that note, stay safe out there, ladies. Stay safe out there, and uh, men, uh, advocate for the people around you. Yes, uh, underrepresent those of us who are underrepresented in your industry. So just just be be a decent human being. Don't judge people by the way they look. Everyone be good people and we'll be fine. Yeah. Please put this podcast out of business. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> I, I think it'd be ideal if there was no need for a podcast to like educate people about breaking into the industry or beating sexism. That's what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were being like trying to do reverse psychology there. <laughs> no, no. Like I, I think it'd be sick if it was like if our sort of product here was redundant yeah like if it wasn't needed that would be really nice like oh gosh there's too much educational material about production and you know there's so little sexism that it's just ludicrous that you would ever have to mention you know what i mean yeah yeah 
I mean, if only. <laughs> True. In the meantime, while we are still in business and making podcasts, um, thank you for listening to this episode. You can find more just like it um, in our catalog of episodes. You can listen dating all the way back to 2020, which is crazy. We are little baby students. Help us out because we did just migrate hosting platforms a while back. And so we lost some of our stats, which is unfortunate. So if you love our podcast, subscribe, leave a review, and listen to some of our old episodes to just give us a little boost. Yeah, this was a, this episode was a little more serious than usual. That's like if you're new true. here, we're usually we're, funny. we're actually pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's true. There, there are some episodes that are much funnier than this, but true. yeah, this one we got this real. This one we need to put like a serious colon. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Insert title of podcast here but yeah um subscribe like leave a review on your platform and also you can find us on social media check out instagram you can find us at kiri underscore jones that's k-y-r-i um and then you can find me at rachel hnh which honestly is just mostly like music and production that's r-h-a-c-l oh wait i wow that was terrible. That's R-A-C-H-E-L. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, we also have a TikTok at Post Production Pod. Post Production Pod. And a website. We do things there sometimes. Postprodpod.com. Yeehaw. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. Sick. <laughs> so with that, this has been the, the Post Production Podcast. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Incredible.